This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. And thank you all so much for coming to our meeting. I know this is getting a little dangerous here with gray skies and dimming the lights, but I promise it will be lively and fun and the dancers should be on in about 20 minutes or so. My, the staff and graduate studies, of course. Um, so anyway, here is our agenda for today. And um, we've had one slight change. Unfortunately, Michael Zuby from the Office of the General Counsel had something come up. So he won't be able to make it. But we are going to reschedule him for another time, because I know a lot of folks were really interested to talk with him and kind of hear about some of the, the key legal issues that um, you know, we're dealing with in, in higher ed. So uh, I'll be in touch about rescheduling that. He sends his regards and his regrets. Um, but we will definitely get him in, because more, more often than we'd like do issues come up uh, related to, to uh, issues from his office. So here's our agenda. You should all have a printed copy. If you don't, can you raise your hand and we can get you one? Everyone's good? Okay, great. So we'll just briefly start out with um, some announcements and welcome to new folks who are here. Um, then we'll share some OPIR survey results. You should also have picked up on your way in or if you have it on your way out, you can pick up packets from your programs and um, uh, for your chairs, for your program directors, and then comparisons with either the arts or the sciences. So be sure you've picked up them, and I'll highlight just a couple of the findings um, from the survey here. Then we'll briefly talk about enrollments, um, where they are unofficially for fall 2016. And then we'll turn it over to our guest speakers. We have Melissa Girding here from the Office of the Registrar. We have Seth Fishman here also, and is Joseph Lennon here? I'm not sure. He might be joining us, um, just to give a quick update on the Abbey Theater. And then finally, we'll conclude with the staff in our office talking about marketing, recruitment, uh, radius updates, and then any new business. Uh, so first, just a quick welcome. We have a number of new program directors and new chairs. Sorry, I, they can't really see very well in here, but we'll just wing it. Um, we have Jesse Fry from Applied Statistics. Jesse, welcome. Great to have you. We have Anil Bamazai from Biology. Welcome, Anil. We have Kevin Minbiol from Chemistry. Kevin, seen all over the news. Great to see you there and here. Uh, Krista Malat from Counseling. Welcome, Krista. We have Lisa Rodriguez, who was here last year, but now she actually has students here. So a special <laughs> welcome to Lisa from Environmental Science. We have Katherine Carrison for Gender and Women's Studies. Welcome, Katherine. We have Ed Hastings from Theology. Welcome, uh, Ed. And then we have Jonathan Yates and Stephanie Knaus from Theology, our PhD program directors. I don't think they could attend today. We also welcome a few new chairs. Uh, Mark Schiffman from Humanities. Uh, Heather Hicks from English, but a veteran to our group. And I apologize, I forgot the doctor for Mark Galicchio. I don't know what I was thinking, but from history, I don't know if Mark's here. Um, not a new chair, you know, well, this year, but anyway. And then we have a new staff member from history, Holly Stupak. Is Holly here? Hi, Holly, welcome. Great to have you. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll be bidding farewell to uh, someone who's been a great uh, uh, contributor to graduate studies over the years, Susan Burns from English. So let's give her a round of applause and a thank you. You're welcome to our meetings anytime you want if you want to come say hi because the barrel of laughs, right? Um, okay, so just a couple of quick announcements to get started. First, I want to just give a warm congratulations to the Master of Science in Environmental Science and our PhD in Theology for their two inaugural classes, which we welcome this fall. It's great to have not only one, but two new programs. So we have 11 students in the environmental science program, and we have six students in the theology PhD. So 
A great thank you to Adele, who shepherded both of these projects through, and a welcome to Adele also. Thank you for being here. And to our program directors, our department chairs who were involved in both of these programs. We're so grateful and just so excited for you as you, as you launch these two programs. So thank you. And here's a picture of our inaugural class for environmental science. Uh, so we're thrilled to, to have them all here. Um, another congratulations to the MPA program, which received full reaccreditation. They went through an extended process last year, so a great thank you to Katherine Wilson and Bridget Boston and Michelle Griffin for their hard work. It was wonderful. Um, and then a congratulations to Classical Studies and Communication, who are both experimenting with some new modes of delivery this fall. Uh, Classical Studies has put their Latin track fully online, so students from across the country can study Classical Studies online, which is pretty cool. Um, and also communication is using a hybrid approach. So in a number of their different classes, um, you know, some students are from afar and they have different, different setups. You're welcome to talk with them about it. So thank you for your uh, initiative and your innovations here and we're excited to see all these uh, things work out this year. Um, just save the dates that are coming up. Um, I just want to remind you of our kind of key recruiting events for the year. First we have our fall open house coming on October 18th and you've received emails and things about that. So be sure that you can attend. Um, we're also having, we rescheduled our new program director orientation, which now will be Friday, October 21st. Um, veterans are also welcome, but we'll be covering kind of the nuts and bolts of what it means to be a program director. So hopefully all the new, uh, new folks uh, can attend that. Saturday, January 21st is our information session. Um, so mark your calendars there, and we'll send all this in the minutes after. March 14th is the spring open house. And then Saturday, April 8th, is our Admitted Students Day. Um, the Fall Open House, the January Information Session, the Spring Open House, and Admitted Students Day are required attendance for you as program directors. And if you can't attend, you need to have another faculty member in attendance. Um, even though sometimes you, know, you may not have a student signed up, they actually show up. So it is really important to have someone at all of those, uh, all of those events. Another quick reminder is about the Graduate Student Lounge. We have a lovely lounge space, and we sent an email about this um, to the students, uh, to all of our graduate students. But in, in your conversations with them, please remind them to use uh, the Graduate Student Lounge. We're very lucky to have that dedicated space, um, and we definitely want to keep the space police away from it. So make sure that you know that it's a 24-hour, you know, seven-day-a-week space for our graduate students in the College of Arts and Sciences exclusively. So it's card access with their wild cards. Um, so be sure you, you're reminding them about that. So um, just want to quickly highlight some of the key findings from the OPIR survey this past spring um, about student services. And you all have those packets, or does anyone not have their packet? Okay. Um, well, I'm just going to highlight some of the, the key high-level findings, um, and there's obviously much more detail in all of your, of your packets. This presentation was prepared by the Office of Planning and Institutional Research, OPIR. Um, uh, from, this, from the spring survey. So overall, we had 541 respondents, uh, respondents who completed the survey, so an overall response rate of 62%, which is pretty good. 68% of respondents were students from the arts and 32% from the sciences. Uh, Three-fifths of those who responded were full-time students, and 29% were part-time students. Um, I forget what QT status is or no status is. I guess they didn't respond there. Um, overall, we had you know, very good response rates uh, in the individual programs, and if you had 10 or more respondents, 
then you received a report. So almost all of the programs had enough respondents to receive a report, which is great news. Um, a couple didn't, um, but for the most part, we were able to prepare those individual reports for you. So what this first slide here looks at is um, they ask students about the primary reason for enrolling in their particular graduate programs. Um, and you'll see here uh, the most popular response was to enhance opportunities um, with their current career, followed by enhanced opportunities to change careers, uh, then required for doctoral or uh, other advanced degree, personal interest or growth, and then other. The blue are, represent the sciences, and the yellow uh, represents uh, all of the arts together. And you'll see here there were lots of other reasons that folks mentioned, some of the five-year programs, um, starting their career, um, enhancing you know, their, their desire for a PhD, et cetera. But I think the important takeaway from this message, uh, from this is that careers really do matter for, for our students. And I think the more that we can communicate that message and what sort of the different paths of our students are, and they're diverse and fascinating and wonderful and amazing, um, that can be a helpful recruiting tool because this is obviously something that, that, is, that is resonating and is important to our students. Um, so this uh, looked at how you learned about your graduate program at Villanova, and they prepared this cool little uh, word thing. And this is for the sciences, and obviously the larger words are, are kind of the more common response, responses about how they learned about their graduate programs. And again, you know, kind of what we, we know, but it's nice to see it again. Online is really important. Word of mouth is really important. Um, and Villanova connections are really important. So, um, you know, again, we, we have to pay attention to our web pages and our presence out there. Realize that that networking and those connections among our alums and current students are so, so valuable. And then really, um, you know, explaining to our undergrads what the opportunities are as well, where appropriate, uh, can also be a great, uh, great recruiting tool. And again, this is for the sciences. And I'll send you this included as well. And here's for the arts, <coughs> a little bit more diverse. Uh, reasons were provided, but again, we see online really large, colleagues and coworkers really large, faculty really important here, um, again, alumni and those, those connections. So I thought it was kind of a neat way of displaying the results. Uh, another question here um, looked at the way you keep yourself informed about events and activities at Villanova. So um, we do see they're reporting that they check their Villanova email account, so that was a very happy uh, finding. Um, the, obviously, the graduate student networks are very powerful, connecting with faculty, et cetera. And then here, I thought this was really interesting. <clears throat> this looked at their decision to attend Villanova um, and what were some of the essential and very important um, deciding uh, factors. And we see you know, what we would hope, um, the academic reputation of the, of the university being among uh, the most popular, um, the availability of programs of interest, the quality of faculty and the availability of courses of interest. So again, I think this is really interesting too as you're thinking about now as we you know, rev up our recruiting season, what are the important things that students want to know about? They want to know about faculty. They want to know about those, those research opportunities. They want to hear about those courses. That's what's drawing them in. So um, again, really, really interesting here as well. And then one of our favorite questions, if you were making your choice of graduate schools, would you come to Villanova again or not? Um, <clears throat> we had 79% in the sciences saying yes, and about 76% in the arts. In both cases, 17% were unsure. Um, and then uh, a few people, but not too many, when you think about the numbers we're serving, uh, said, said no. Um, and these were basically the same as we did in 2015 in our survey then too, which is always um, you know, an interesting comparison as well. 
So does anyone have any questions or comments about that? Anything that you saw? If you're looking at your reports and if you have any you know, additional analyses you're interested in, we can reach out to OPIR on your behalf and they're happy and more, you know, very willing uh, assist um, you know, in that regard. So take a look and if you do have any questions or comments, um, we'll also be following up with all of the programs in the next couple months to meet with you individually to sort of talk through this uh, and some other issues. Okay, so let's now turn over to our enrollments for fall. And this is impossible to see, but we printed out this slide for you. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, what kind of the key message here, I think, is that we're pleased. I know this last year was tough, and last, last fall was even more tough when so many programs were struggling with, with enrollment issues. But this fall, we saw a lot of really positive things. And so, First, I just want to say thank you. I know that everyone has been working on this the last year and thinking through you know, how they can better reach the students that they want to come to their respective programs. So thank you um, for that. In a number of programs, we actually saw five-year highs um, when you look from fall 2012 through fall 2016. These included classical studies, counseling, education, psychology, and theater. So, congratulations or ties. They were either highs or ties uh, for those five programs. Uh, we also saw 10 programs in total, including those other ones, increasing from last fall to this fall. Um, so some it was, you know, a couple of students, some it was five. In the case of counseling and, and education, you, you're the big winners with um, increases of nine and 17 students. So um, congratulations and thank you there. Um, a number of uh, programs also remain stable, which is great to see. Um, and then some programs declined, and you know we saw those mostly in the professional programs and in the sciences. So we'll be really digging into those in the next week um, and weeks and months and trying to understand and kind of reverse that trend um, in the next couple months. Um, but overall, we were steady, um, actually up three students from last fall. So the whole year as we were working on it, our goal was really to you know remain steady or increase. So. We, we did that, so we were really pleased. And I thank you for being our partners in this in this effort. Yeah, Peter. Quick question: Is a student? Yeah. Um, you mean those matriculated um, um, certificates? This is anybody. So it could be it counts someone who's just enrolled for one class. It counts someone who's a full-time student. So this is looking at like individual people. Yeah, yeah. So of course, there's you know wiggle room in terms of, you know, someone, some program might have had a lot of credits consumed. And in the official um, enrollment statistics, they track, you know, the, the credits consumed and that kind of thing. So we can see where we are, but they haven't been released yet. So um, this just looks at historical trends, which um, are difficult to see. But, um, you know, I think if you look at the bottom, those are the sciences, and the sciences basically are where they were in fall 20, 2011. They had kind of a bubble bubble up to about 300 students, and now they're back down to about 232 students. Um, the arts, and if we exclude the two online programs, they're at 603. If you look across the years, they've been you know, 616, 638 at the high. Um, so you know, we're kind of reversing that downward trend and going up a little bit, which is nice to see. This was something that we're really, we've been tracking all year, looking at the inquiries that we've been receiving as well as the um, applications and then ultimately the students who uh, said that they were going to enroll with us. And we were really pleased that this fall we had 317 new students across all the programs who committed to attend 
compared to last fall, which we had 277. So that was a big jump. And so hopefully that will you know, continue as we move on. Um, that was also up from fall 2014. Um, our summer number was slightly up from summer of 2015 also. And we'll see where spring lands, but um, for you programs that um, are still, you know, admitting for spring, you know, definitely um, be very steadfast in your in your review of radius and in your inquiries and your applications. So, all of these make us feel really, really positive and really grateful to all of you. So, again, I thank you for your hard work. I know these conversations that we had the last year were were tough and sometimes, you know, felt like a Debbie Downer. But today, I'm excited and we are thrilled and. Um, I'm just I hope that we can keep the positive momentum going because we have wonderful graduate offerings that are so much better than all, many out there in the marketplace and I hope that we can get as many students here um, as is appropriate for our, for our program. So um, we're continuing to explore new marketing and communication strategies and we'll be in touch about those. Um, for, for the programs that have had some downward trends, we're really analyzing them to try and understand a bit better why. And like I said, um, we'll be having individual program meetings as well. So does anyone have any questions, comments, um, anything that you've experienced this past recruiting cycle that you felt was helpful that you might want to share with other folks? Um, any plans for the future that might be helpful to share? Quiet bunch. Um, Okay, well, we'll be meeting with you all individually, so we'll have lots to chat about then. And then also, just a great thank you to the Office of Graduate Studies, because we wouldn't be here without them and their intense work all year round. Okay, so now I'm going to turn it over to Melissa Girding from the Office of the Registrar, who is going to remind us about important policies and other considerations um, that we need to think about as we're working with our students from the academic perspective. Thank you, Melissa. You're welcome. Does, do you have a on this? Uh, yeah, I should. Hi, everybody. Oh, sure. I'll be coming up a little bit later. Always a popular time of any talk is policy and procedure. <laughs> so um, I know we always get a round of applause whenever the registrar walks into the room. So <laughs> I'll do my best. If you just give me a second to switch over here. I'm Melissa Girding. I am Senior Associate Registrar here at Villanova University. And on behalf of Pam Braxton, our registrar, I just want to thank you all for inviting us here to uh, give you a little bit of an update. I'm just going to go over a few things about <clears throat> our website, which kind of lends to the services that um, are provided by the Office of the Registrar um, in conjunction with all of Enrollment Management and the Provost's Office. Uh, we work very closely with the Office of Graduate Studies primarily in an administrative capacity and helping to make sure that our students are registered, uh, get through their coursework, and graduate on time. Um, the website is probably the best way to navigate to find anything. And over the way that we consider anything on our website, um, to use a, a funny-ism from Michael Gaynor, our director of admission, it's prego, it's in there. <laughs> and a lot of times people are like, where do I find this? Trust us, it's up there um, and we'll help you find it. Um, if not, we have linked to it and uh, a lot of things come 
you know, by way of your offices, policy and procedure set uh, by faculty and the administration of the university, and then we just try to make sure it all happens and everyone stays on track. Um, so in terms of getting in touch with the registrar's office, like, and over time, this website is actually going to be updated, like all of our websites on campus um, for new look and feel, but for now, this is kind of our setup. Um, you'll go to the meet, if you look at our meet our staff from our Associate Dean of Enrollment Management, Kathy Connor, who basically oversees registrar and information management for the university, then Pam Braxton and, and the rest of our office. It's a quick way to find all of us, but also by function, we're listed uh, very much but, uh, by, by function and the subject areas that you could most find us. If all else fails, registrar at villanova.edu is the best general way to get in touch with the registrar's office with a question. That um, site is checked all day and, and we'll find a way to get it to the best person. We do not suggest that you, although it's very nice and handy in um, Outlook, where you can just type registrar and it sends the same message to our entire office. Um, if you know anything about our office, we do get on to things right away. And oftentimes there are five people working on the same thing. So please help us out. And just please trust that if you go to registrar at villanova.edu, it'll get to the right person and, and in the most uh, efficient matter, manner. Um, <clears throat> Other things about our website, we have an announcement section, and that's kind of more topical right now, which will just lead me into one of the topics I wanted to cover today. Uh, this announcement section changes monthly around the calendar. Usually it's key dates, grade deadlines, things like that. Um, you all, if you're instructing, if you're an instructor and you are instructing this term, you received an email from us with this information, and it was also in Campus Currents last week. Um, now that we've ended census and the drop-in ad period is over, it's time for um, faculty to check their class lists. And this has become, I know we, we don't require attendance here at the university, at, with the exception of the freshmen, um, but this has become much more of a, a situation for virtually anybody who is paying tuition or has somebody paying tuition for them, such as the federal government, veterans, um, Veterans Association, uh, your parent, their parents, their employer, anything like that. We have to kind of keep on track of, for a lot of various reasons, uh, their general attendance in the class, and more importantly, if a student stops attending class. So please, if you've noticed that um, no one, that a particular student has net, not been in your class at all, and please share this with your faculty, Again, please send an email with that student's name and ID if you have it to registrar at villanova.edu. We can search it out with the Graduate Studies Office, try to figure out what is going on with that student, and it's the student's responsibility to officially withdraw from the university or from the course. So we will not withdraw a student unless there was a registration error, um, a registration error. and at this point in time, it's well past drop ad, so there are refund issues which 
then there are no refunds, um, and <laughs> that's the main issue. And um, and also information in terms of uh, getting that information if they are on fi federal financial assistance or veterans affairs and they're not coming to class, there may be money due back to the federal government. Um, and also for employers and things like that. So we do ask that you please um, stay on top of that. Also, if a student is in your class and not on your roster, that too is kind of an issue. Um, Villanova is not free uh, by any means. So uh, please uh, let that student know that they need to figure out what's going on with their registration status. I'm not saying that we will add that student to class at all, but if. Um, but we need to investigate that too with the Graduate Studies Office and they should not return to your class unless they appear on your roll. Okay, so that's the main thing about attendance. Um, another thing to uh, pay attention to, it actually comes from the Provost's Office and the Academic Calendar Committee, but you can get to it from our website, your academic calendar. It's very important that all faculty and all administrators know of the, ac the academic calendar. Um, and you can see probably, if you've been here for a long time, um, as I have, the academic calendar has now grown to about five or six different academic calendars with generally the same semester, the large semester. We are a semester-based institution, and that's important for a lot of reasons. So the start and end date of the entire um, semester, but we have more and more, I would say, varying schedules throughout that same semester. Yes? Uh, well, um, yeah, I, that's more of an IT issue that I'm not really aware of. Like, I didn't, um, the way that searches go, um, that's something that I can ask IT about. Um, so you're saying up here when you do calendar? You probably get the law school calendar. You get the law school calendar. Yeah, that's, um, that's something in the way that the website was, was coded, big picture IT issue. Um, and the law school definitely gets first ranking, probably because L comes before V literally in the alphabet, but um, I don't know for sure, but I can't really speak to that. I will make a note of it, and I know we, we do do that quite a bit. Um, I, I know more and more people are proponents of searches, but do know whenever you do a search, you're never gonna really, you, it's anyone's guess on the World Wide Web and the Google, Google and things like that. You may not get the, the most adequate and most recent and up-to-date information. So just watch your searches. Even though they're easier, they can't um, fulfill absolutely everything anybody could be thinking of. And some people may want the law school calendar, so that's, that's the tough thing. We're all kind of vying for that time. Um, but I will tell you for sure, if you follow the way the Villanova's website is, is constructed, and I know it changes quite often, but in general, um, for, for example, the Registrar's Office webpage is Registrar villanova.edu from there like I said we had a ton of links you scroll down to academic calendar and it'll bring you to the correct academic calendar through that we are um, we also link to the law school calendar here they may not be doing the same thing back and it's it's a constant battle we're, we're all kind of in that um, all of those that do if you do update websites and things like that please help one another out and but it's a good thing and I'll, I'll pass it on to IT. 
Um, okay, so the graduate, so this is generally the undergrad calendar, and again, if you're, if you're teaching or you have faculty that are teaching across discipline, be aware that there are different graduate calendars as well. Um, and the online, the university online alliance programs are a separate calendar. So I just wanted to point that out. I'm not going to go through every single deadline and issue um, for that, but um, graduate calendars should be liberal arts and sciences. But generally, this is the, the graduate arts and sciences with the exceptions for the online programs. Some things. This kind of leads me into important things as well um, that I was asked to speak about. And you may have the handout now, which is basically about grades. Do you have? There weren't enough. There weren't enough. Oh yeah, sure. I'll send it. Sorry, I didn't picture this whole group here. It's a much larger group than I anticipated. Um, okay, so if for those of you who do have it, also you can get this information from the. This is just you'll notice it's pages six and seven. So I literally took it from. Um, the faculty grade instructions that I send out every semester when grades are due as an attachment. Um, and it's, I think, in total maybe 10 pages, maybe. Um, what, what, what leads you through MyNova in grading, and then it leads you through some of the policies related to grading. Um, we all know that the grading scale is A through C passing, or C through A passing, and F for failing um, at the graduate level. So if you just pay attention to that right side of the, the page for graduate level courses only. Um, in the topic of incompletes, an incomplete is to be given if you have made arrangements with the student about completing their coursework after the grade deadline or you know if if you have not seen the student ever the grade is to be ng no grade reported if the student stopped attending attendance at the graduate level is required performance so even in the online program so if a student stops attending never comes back that's a failure with the last date of attendance an f um, so those two things, that's to differentiate from an incomplete. An incomplete has generally, again, that's um, the deadlines, it's generally the, a month after classes end, and it varies with the online programs. Their incomplete deadline is much quicker, close, comes up more closely. But um, you'll see grades, oh, we're in the summer there, grades in the fall this year are due Again, for the campus-based programs, grades are going to be due after Christmas. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> it, literally, it literally is how the calendar falls. So there will be years when it's due before Christmas. But um, So they're due January 3rd at noon, um, with, the, with the exception of the online programs, which are due before Christmas, as, as usual, because the eight-week or seven-week session ends well in time for, for the holiday break. Um, then the students need to submit, if anyone has been given an incomplete by you, again with your understanding that the work would be done, the university's required day for submission of work is January 27th. Um, and for, for all of you then, by February 10th we need a grade change. 
Otherwise, the grade for the student will revert to a failure, or what we call the NF, which is the same thing as a failure as far as GPA. If a student needs an extension, and these are all if, they're not like when, <laughs> these are all if items, all exceptions hopefully to the rules. If students need extensions, there's an extension form available on the Graduate Studies website. Um, the student should fill out that request for extension. Again, that's up to the instructor with the agreement. The instructor's under no obligation to accept that extension, but again, it's something they would work together. They submit that extension request with the um, approval of the chair and then the approval of the Graduate Studies Office, and then we would um, enter that extension into the, into the system. We ask that that extension request as well go through the same process, so that by February 10th we've received all the extension requests, and then we won't have to NF any courses. Um, Incompletes during graduation is often um, a question as well. And at the graduate level, most students are going to have incompletes in their graduate requirements. At the undergrad level, sometimes they may be carrying an incomplete past graduation because they're going on to study. But typically at the grad level, they should have everything done if they're going to graduate. Um, however, there are, there are times the main distinction on these dates would be if it is the term in which the student is graduating, that incomplete deadline is not the 27th. So any December graduates, they must have their, the, dead, the graduation date for December is December 31st. That is the official grad date at the university that goes on their degree and their diploma. So even though we're getting grades in, in January, everyone who had their work complete in December will receive that December 31st graduation date. If their coursework, their coursework now, not the, your ability to grade the student, but if their coursework is not in by December 31st, then um, they cannot graduate. So that incomplete, it's not gonna go to NF, but that incomplete will eventually go to NF, but they, they can't graduate for that December 31st deadline. They, if they complete their work after December 31st, even though we might, again, there's no way we're gonna be grading in those hours and stuff, regardless of when the grade comes in, we need, when that grade change comes in, we need the instructor to attest that the student completed all of their work by December 31st for, in order to issue that graduation. Anything after that date, defer, reverts everyone into a May 31st graduation. Because we only, um, at this point in time, the university has three official graduation dates. December 31st, May 31st, and September 1st. Yeah. And will that require them to pay tuition for the spring graduation? Uh, no, not necessarily, no, no, because they're not, but there will be an issue there, particularly for financial assistance, and it's something to keep in mind. Um, it can be, can be an issue. Graduate students are either, they may or may not be receiving financial assistance, but many of them, and if not most of them, are deferring their loans from their undergrad. They're not enrolled in anything at the university, even though they, they don't have their degree. If they're not enrolled, then we cannot say that they're full-time or students at all. And oftentimes, if they're deferring their loans, they, they'll be coming due that they have to pay for them. So it behooves everyone for if in the, the semester that they're graduating to finish their work on time. Um, 
The other issue may be, I know in, in certain programs where comps and exams are required, those two do not enroll a student in school for loan deferment reasons and things like that. There's no official record of their registration if they're just taking an exam. So um, that the students need to be aware of that as well. I mean, they're still an active Villanova student, but they're not considered to be registered and ruled for all of the rules that the federal government and the loan companies are, are interested in. So in those programs where they may be finished with all their coursework, but still have to take those exams, that's something, again, it might be better that they try to take those exams while they're still completing their coursework, their last coursework. If, if it's an issue in terms of, you know, that's not gonna be an issue for every student, but it may be for some. Any questions about that sort of thing? Um, I think that was pretty much the main things that we, you know, the issues that seem to come up every semester and things that we were going to cover. But um, do we have a little bit of time? If you have any general questions, please <laughs> be kind. Um, no. <laughs> and I'll do my best to answer. My, my area um, generally is relating to uh, student history and everything from the enrollment stage through to graduation. But I can speak a little bit to registration and things like that as well if you have any issues. And if not, I can certainly route you to the person who can get that answer. Sure. Hi, Father, yes. So when uh, we do incompletes, uh, do the student, you know how we get a little prompt that says grades are due, you know, December or whenever. Is there any prompting from, uh, via email to the student or the instructor about how to keep tabs of uh, when they pass the, the date of their uh, incomplete, or is that all just like sort of passed down to the instructor? Yeah, it's kind of right. I, I don't know if that we do any real active trigger dates on those because they come up so quickly, but we can we can do some more by way of uh, Wildcat Newswire and uh, Campus Currents, for sure. The question that I really have is like, as the, um, as the program of the department, do I need to just prompt, who keeps track of where the incomplete is and it's? Right, well again, it should be the instructor um, who knows, first off, who they've issued incompletes to, right. and to kind of stay on, on that. I know in, in terms of thesis and things like that, those remain, and the, and the incomplete on thesis should be an IP, and then if you put an IP in, again, they're only used in thesis or research courses, but those kind of, because there's the re-registering into those courses, those don't really have a deadline. So, but in a, in a typical course, again, perfect world, no incompletes, right? Be nice. Um, I don't know, but <laughs> perfect world, we don't live in, but perfect, <laughs> but when an incomplete, again, it's something that's between the student and the faculty member and that they should be beyond that and in general um, you know keeping tabs on that but of course we go through all the time and uh, you know and and go through that so we could certainly send out more reminders
student receives a notification when it turns to an NF. Oh, for sure. Um, when when a grade a right when a grade change <laughs> when a grade change of any sort goes through, whether it's from incomplete to to failure or, or that change, when any sort of grade change goes through, the instructor and the student receive kind of a, a cryptic message because again, does everyone know email is not really secure? Hillary Clinton. Okay, um, so like we try, we do that on purpose. We don't put a lot of things like the grade, which is private, into the body of an email um, too much. So, uh, so we'll definitely help you look at look it up. But we send a message saying status has changed, grade has changed. If you're the faculty member and you didn't put a grade in or put the the new grade change process through, chances are that that went to an NF if, if it wasn't incomplete. Or there could be a bigger issue think, from a security perspective. Um, so that's our trigger to, to the instructors. And then the trigger to the student too, like uh-oh, something, you know, the students usually know full well they're not finished with something, but that's how that those triggers go. I, there was one back here first. Yes, Mark Scarzi, I just found out five minutes before this meeting that incomplete grade changes no longer are to be processed by the old slips, but there's something online for it? Every grade change is no longer done by slips. We have a, and that is a decision from your college. We, um, I'm we, not questioning the decision. Yeah. No, 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 I know. Yes, there's an online process for grade changes, and I we can send those instructions out to you. Um, Right. Okay, that's all I need. Yeah, yeah. There's a that process and and it goes through all the approvals. So after the instructor submits that, then an approval goes to the chair and then and the chair is emailed when they have waiting grade changes and then um, <coughs> then the dean's office signs off on those final grade changes. So What was that? It's fairly painless. Thank you much. Yes. Um, I can show you that right now if we go back to the Provost website. Or wait, where did we put it? Oh, no, it's over back. Sorry. It's new to all of us, actually. And it's actually going pretty well. Um, Cleaning your grades. Did I find it? I will get. I'll get those instructions to everyone after this as well, because I forget where we put it. Oh, it is. No, that's not it. So here's where the search goes really well. <laughs> This search.
Right. No, this is where the instructions are, everyone. Yeah. We're, there we go. Okay. Oh, and it's locked down. That's great. Because we wouldn't want certain people to know how to change a grade, right? Like the ones in the class. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Well, and me. And me as well. Okay, so, um, but it, again, I will, I'll send all of that. There's also on the provost website the instructions, and you access it through MyNova. MyNova, yes, pro, most likely, right. That's right, and I'm not a faculty member, so there we go. Uh, yes, but that, again, that there is an online grade change process. I think, Heather, you had a question? Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to reinforce what David said before, because over all the years I've been doing the graduate thing, I never know when Sure. It's so great that now at least the grad calendar is a little more accessible than it has been in the past. Yeah. Um, but still, I, I wanted to just reinforce that sure. there could be an announcement. For sure. Mm -hmm. It's just such an odd time of the semester. It is. So even if the right. student is on top of getting it to the faculty member, it's right. not a given. Right. It's so rare that the faculty yeah. now Well, generally, it's, it's def I must say it has evolved over time. Um, it's always, always, always been in the catalog since yeah. I've been here. Um, and I and I I've been here a long time. <laughs> At the uh, I'm a gradu graduate as well. Um, so and it's always at it's. I don't want to say this for sure, but um, it's always been the last Friday in January when students need their work in, and the second Friday in July. It has evolved because of the programs that don't follow the entire semester. But in general, that's, that's always been, like, not always, not in 175 years, but I'd say a good 40 years, um, it's been those, along those lines. And then for the spring, it's always the, the spring courses, it's the last Friday in June and the second Friday in July. I know that we're, but, and we, we only have to keep track of a few things and you guys all have different programs and stuff like that. But again, like I, I did hear that, we'll, we'll get reminders out and second, they're always on the calendar and the calendar is up for the next three years. We've worked very, very closely with the provost's office um, and all of the graduate programs to make sure that those dates are, are published. So, and I appreciate everyone's help in all of that. One last question? Yes. Yeah. Hi, Melissa. Mike Brown from Psychology. Yeah, hi, Mike. So um, a lot of our students finish all their coursework except for the thesis, mm. and then it takes some unpredictable sure. time to finish the thesis. Right. So they end up with in-progress grades for the right. two courses that correspond to the thesis. Mm -hmm. And then there's a course called Thesis Continuation. Yes. Right. Correct. In a semester, and it's been our understanding that the student has to register for that course in the semester the thesis is completed. They have to register for that continuation in every single semester in which they're working on their thesis. Okay. 
if they take a break and they're not working on their thesis, they don't need to be registered. But um, that, again, all of the things I was talking about in terms of the federal government and our attendance and things like that, the reason why we're registering students is because not only for their obligation to their work, but our obligation to them, that they, if they're enrolled in thesis, they're considered a full-time student. So to keep them enrolled in thesis, we have to register them into continuation. Exactly. Continued enrollment and, and your respect that you're working with the student on that, that they are our student, we're working together um, on that, and they're, they need to be enrolled. So that's, that's why that exists that way. And, and, it, and again, it may not have been much of an issue in the world before, but again, as, as higher ed has evolved, and especially the way that students are paying for their education or having their education paid for, we need to be able to, to document all of that information. So it's not only a, a registrar issue, but it's a bursar issue, it's a financial assistance issue, and it's, um, and it's also helpful it, from a business perspective to the, to the university. Very costly administrative mechanism to... Oh, we understand. <laughs> we, we got it. We understand it. We're, you know, it's the only way we can track things. Everything's done on a semester basis. It's not, we also have to know when students are ending. So it's not like you've enrolled and then you've got the next six years to just do what you will. Um, it's just, that's just, that's the business of, of what we, we are doing here. Um, there is, there has been discussion in terms of going back to that grade change and we're going back to work with, with Christine and, and different offices. It, because we understand that each semester, you know, in that whole grade change situation. So that meeting hasn't happened yet, but we're gonna talk a, a little bit more because again, what was brought up with the online grade change process and, and things like that, and it's, since it's so structured to, to approvals and things like that, we are going to discuss a little bit around the process and procedure, but we don't have a, an official word on what's going to happen. So that may change. Um, for sure, the most important thing is that that thesis course that does bear the credit, that becomes graded eventually and because that is what they're receiving the credit for. Um, if you've ever looked at a transcript and a student steps out and, and then they see the way, again, because the university is structured along semesters and that's a lot of upheaval government-wise if we were to ever change that and I don't know if you'd want to, um, but because it's structured along those semesters and the, the transcript runs that way, when a student is, that course will look as if they, you know, were handling that in the spring of 2017, and then what's happening afterwards? We have no way of accounting for that. I have an accounting degree from Villanova, and that's the one thing that makes me feel a little bit comfortable. Again, it's an administrative nightmare, but it's, it's that's, that's where we are, you know, that's, uh, we are, if we're nothing else, it's courses and credits. <laughs> and, uh, and you're fine teaching. Yeah? Isn't there a way that once they pass a thesis, because we've had students that do thesis continuation for five, six semesters, can't you automatically generate the grade change for the thesis continuation when you enter the thesis as being satisfied? That, again, that that's not how the mechanism works today. 
Oh, sure it would be. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, that's why, again, thanks. Yeah, we are, we're working on that. That's not how the mechanism works. That's not even how the policy works at this point. So we've, we're, like I said, we're, we're working on that to make it a little bit easier for everyone. But before, technically, a different sheet of paper was kind of necessary, although we never received it that way. So um, it's different. Yes? So that zero credit, if they were continuing, uh, is it only on the thesis and not on the exam, the zero credit exam, but just on the zero credit thesis? The continuation is what bears zero credit. The thesis bears the credit for the course. Okay. The exam? Well, we, they, the government considers what we considered in, as being the definition of being enrolled. So we consider thesis, working on your thesis, to be enrolled. And, and do you full. and or the government call it full-time? We do, in, our, okay. in so that case. Like an insurance company would also. Exactly. Right? Yeah, they want to know what we're considering to be full-time. Oh. So there's exceptions. Generally, it's six credits, but there's exception for grad assistants, those working on thesis and things like that which also qualify as full-time status. Great. Good? Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now, PCs can be very tricky, so if you have more questions, please ask us um, or Melissa, and especially for the new folks, too. Those are, those are tricky. I've learned a lot about them. So um, thank you again for coming, Melissa. It's always good to hear. Uh, so next I'm going to turn it over to Seth Fishman, who is going to talk with us about um, our assessment in graduate education. Your next favorite thing, academic assessment. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep coming, yes, the party continues. We welcome PhD in theology and master's in environmental science to the assessment party. Thank you. So, I want to give you an overview of things we're working on this year and try to keep things very brief and leave room for questions. First of all, we had a really good year last year, which was kind of year two for assessment at the graduate level. So this is year three when we actually should have results from just about every program of things that are actually occurring. What I like about graduate education is you can see the results almost instantly. When you change your comp exams, you can look at your students and just tell things have changed. We saw some of that trickle in this past year. A couple of programs have actually either currently working on or moving towards an e-portfolio model. Right now, actually, I'm onboarding this year. Classics is first up, and that should be live this semester. And coming up after that would be theology, PhD program, English, hopefully, right? Yes. And crossing our fingers there. Education's well on board, and they're getting developed right now. And I think at least two others that might be coming on this semester. So that's a really good thing. That's really transformed the way they go about their assessment, but also their comp exams, qualifying exams, and also making it more of a comprehensive experience for the students. So things for this year, I've been meeting with the liaisons. Some of you are the liaisons by de facto, and some of you have been able to delegate it out or you have somebody else in your department. So if I haven't met with you or scheduled you, don't worry, I have not forgotten about you. Saving the best for last, right? So I'll schedule those meetings and we'll chat later this semester. Just a reminder, one of the things I want to make sure we all have this semester is as we continue with assessment, this is really great about grad programs, you always have comps and qualifying exams, other things that are already built in. One direct level of assessment in terms of actual student work, comps, qualifying exams, your e-portfolio, all those things. So it's easy, we're already doing that anyways as part of the graduate experience. 
And something I want to make sure that we, we haven't done as well uh, collectively is using our indirect uh, assessment opportunities, which indirect would be like exit surveys or exit interviews where we've incorporated some of the program learning goals and objectives, but also giving you feedback about how the program experience was for the graduate students. And we have Qualtrics, which is an electronic version that we have access to, and there's a link right on the uh, IT site for the college. And I'll work with you if you want to have something that's electronic instead of doing something exit, uh, pen and paper type of things. Or if you want to do something different, there's all kinds of opportunities for you. We have, all, we have, no, we have no shortage of data at the university. Here we can like kind of leverage this and do something that's really useful for you in your graduate programs uh, as well. Let's see what else is doing. Where do our students get jobs, for example? Uh, are they getting funded when they go to graduate school? Those are real important things that I like to get that going so we can keep track of uh, those where our students are heading out. And last year was a good year. A lot of programs implemented rubrics and other evaluation metrics for the first time, particularly in comps. That's a good thing. It's students very student friendly. Get feedback if you want to. I wonder if you want to continue with that. Uh, some programs, again, I talked about ePortfolios. If you're interested in that, that's also a venue for you. So these are things that are forthcoming. I really want to push that. Having someone pass this comps, how did they pass? Do you actually have some sort of process in place? And a couple years ago, it was kind of a little loosey goosey for some departments, you know, magic eight ball kind of thing. But now we've really moved past that, uh, and things are looking a lot better. And it also provides you information that especially for the graduate program directors, of how things are really going with our students. You don't want to tell a student their last semester they're failing their comps on their way out the door and they're already sending their parents for graduation you know, and invites. So we want to make sure we, we tighten that up a lot earlier. All right, keeping the show going. Just going to do an interpretive dance here. I saw Father Craig in here. might be a good way to get myself into a show. Casting. Um, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Speaking of shows, so on October 28th, we're going to go back and do the faculty form and assessment, which was a half a day. We did round tables right here in this room. We feed you, uh, Vital and OKR, also one of the sponsors uh, for this. We had a huge turnout from our college, Arts and Sciences, we represented over two-thirds of the faculty, as we should, and many of you were there for that. I appreciate your support. They got a few roundtables, low-key issues related to things that are interesting to assess more. We'll actually have another table for graduate and comps. That was really well attended, probably one for e-portfolios. So you can have those discussions, not being lectured to or listening to me tell jokes all day. So I think that'll be uh, pretty good. Though it's near Halloween if you want to dress up in your favorite assessment costume. <laughs> By all means, uh, I look forward to seeing, to seeing that. Yeah. Dress up as an exam. So, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, administrators here, and I appreciate your support as well. If you check your websites and see if your program learning goals are posted, they're all there for the undergraduate programs. The graduate level, just double check some of those. Also, make sure that's the mission statement for your program, that's the actually updated one, not the one from when Pluto was a planet. So, let's make sure those are there. If you want to see a good example at the graduate level, public administration has theirs up, that's a good one. The undergraduate departments have theirs up as well. Some programs such as uh, philosophy have an undergraduate and a graduate mission statement. Whatever you have there, just make sure it's available. Uh, you can send me an email if you're having uh, problems with that. Lastly, oh, the less fun part of stuff. So deadlines. Um, 
Mid-year report will be January 20th, 2017. I'm actually gonna move this to a Qualtrics survey this year, so it'll be, we'll see how that goes. It should be a lot easier, faster, and I can compile one report in 30 seconds versus me manually typing in 20 of your reports and trying to remember who's what. So we'll see how that goes on as we move into the digital era. In the year report, not for a long, long time, but that will be, I think it's June 2nd, 2017. Plan time for that. That's my shtick, I'm done. Any questions? Comments? Blank checks. <laughs> yep. Thank you, always a pleasure. Oh, please, please. Is Joseph here? I don't see Joseph. Okay. Um, I thought Joseph was going to come, but maybe something came up. But we will be sharing um, information about the Abbey Theater Summer Program. Um, the applications will be happening in December. Father Cregan, do you want to add anything? I see you here. Yeah, no. Uh, just that it's great. It's, it's totally awesome. Tell your students about it's it. It's interdisciplinary, which is nice. So we have like lots of opportunities for people to work in both uh, practice, but also in literary development and uh, administration. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so we'll be sending you out. Get the get the message out to your students. Um, you know, all are welcome. So um, I'm just going to turn it over to my colleagues Susan and Emily. Um, to talk a little bit about marketing and recruitment, and then we'll wrap up with um, our favorite, other favorite topic, Radius and Katie, and then um, we'll conclude with any new business, and then uh, cheese, which everyone loves cheese. <laughs> So just a few quick words about marketing initiatives that are ongoing for all of your programs. And um, once again, our office is working in partnership with Pete Bickle in University Communication, who some of you may know, and also with MediaWorks, who is kind of the agency that works with us to purchase media and other things on our behalf. Um, so we have a bunch of things going on this fall that we're working on for everyone. Um, purchasing of GRE names and designing of postcards. This is an effort that we do every year. We'll continue that this year. And we'll be in touch with um, you know, print for that and updates for that so that you can approve those messages before they go out. Um, this year, not only are we doing a GRE mailing, so a print piece that will go to people and we'll get in the mail mailbox, but we'll also follow up with email communications as we did last year. Um, we also are purchasing um, some more student information through um, a new website that we're working with called Graduate Colleges and Universities. Um, we can share links to these in the meeting minutes so that you can check it out and take a look for yourselves. Um, we always like to mention to people that if you and your colleagues are going to a conference where you feel there's some type of sponsorship or you want to set up a table or you want to have materials to take to those conferences, please let us know. Um, obviously, we have a supply of your program information sheets, which we designed last year. Um, we're not updating those this year. We still have a good supply. If you need more, though, let us know. We can help reprint some of those program information sheets, folders, that sort of thing. Um, or if there's something else that you want to do, if you feel like um, you know what you have is too wordy and you just want something that's you know a, a picture and a specific ad for a specific thing, again, let us know, and we'll work with the community university communication if you need to come up with something like that. Um, and a couple of other things we're doing, we're working with um, Billy Magazine online to do some program specific ads. We're working with LinkedIn, again, um, program specific, we'll be in touch um, for more of the professional programs. We're able to target people in LinkedIn based on their current 
profession and their level of education and get them some specific email marketing. Um, we're working with other people that do search engine marketing and remarketing and retargeting. Um, we started, of course, this has been ongoing for years, but we are running Google ads about, you know, masters in chemistry. And when, um, obviously, we're hoping Villanova comes up organically in a search like that, but we're also working with um, MediaWorks to be purchasing Google ads so that we will have something at the top where you would click an ad for Villanova there as well. So that's all ongoing. If you have any ideas, please be in touch with us. We'll also reach out to you. Um, for the spring, we're thinking about doing bus tails on SEPTA buses or um, maybe some train advertising, which we've tried in the past. And we just are constantly exploring these different options. There's so many universities that are out there in the marketplace. I see the billboards and the bus tails and everything all the time for different universities. So we feel like we need to be also present in the marketplace just to keep awareness out of the programs. Um, any questions or comments? <laughs> I've probably asked this question before. Um, so my fantasy version of things, I would be able to change my graduate website like once a week. Right. I've had all these ideas like a course in a week. What's happening in one grad course? Right? If I wanted to do that, and right now I don't know how to do any of it mm -hmm. um, because Evan has done it and now I'm Am I supposed to be able to work with a website at that level of granularity? Complicated question. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're hopeful you know, like set up a new page, you know, and, and expect to be able to plug in new information once a week with photos. I'm supposed to. Are we, were we saying we expect you to do that? No, 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 no. But I mean, just but, to make it a functional marketing tool. Yeah. You know? I mean, we we talk about this all the time, right? I mean, so your web pages really are probably your number one. Yeah. source of information for students. We know that's how they're getting information about your program and you want to keep it fresh. Yeah. So um, if I can't do it, do I go to my person in Zach? Is that my, my person? Like, if it's a, not like for Katie or... Yeah, yeah if it's a really like difficult thing, Elisa can help you. Right. Elisa Wiley. Or Katie can help you. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, and if we can't figure out who will help you, then we will figure out who will help okay, you, and right. we will. You know, I think they, the goal is for every department to have its own web person who can do the minor stuff. But we understand as you get into the higher levels. It's yeah, it's just, right. it's just beyond you know, very minor. It gets into some graphic elements. Right, right. So okay. just be in touch and we will. So, yeah. Yeah, Lisa Wiley, Katie, if we can't help you, we can hopefully direct you to a person that can. Um, it, we also have offered Brenda Groves help um, in years past. Um, offer her help with that as well in terms of you just want someone to look at your web page from that outsider's point of view and give you some tips on how to reorganize you know the links or update your testimonials those sorts of things so just be in touch let us know what questions you have have any other general questions i'll turn it over to emily who's going to talk about specific recruitment um, events that we're doing and you've got to save the date for all the events that we're having <laughs> this semester and that. I don't even know if I have. No. <laughs> That's why it's high. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about the recruitment activities that we're doing this um, semester and this whole year. So first of all, um, this starts kind of our big season with going to visit different colleges for grad fairs. Um, so between us, Brenda Grove and I are going to at least 30 different schools this semester. Um, but what we try, what I started to do last year, and I'm continuing with this year, 
is focusing on our feeder schools and trying to make individualized visits to those schools. So, um, for example, last week I went to DeSales University, which I know um, a bunch of your programs have students from, and I was able to co-present with the, the Career Center on their um, preparing for graduate school day. So I'm just looking for opportunities like that and wanted to let you know that um, that's the kind of um, individualized and personalized initiatives that we're trying to do to be a little bit more targeted. So we'll ho we're hoping to see some good results out of that. But if there are any schools in particular that you think that I should be going to or have any ideas, I'm always open to hearing that. Um, so we did the, we're doing the individualized visits. We're also going to be doing call nights. Probably, we're not sure about doing one this fall. We're probably gonna be doing one specifically for um, programs that are looking for a push for the spring. So I'll definitely be in touch with more information about that. But I also wanted to let you know that we're gonna be trying to do a more ongoing call campaign and I'm working with our two graduate assistants in our office who are both excellent um, to be calling students who might have been accepted but haven't told us yet if they plan to enroll. So we had um, one of our graduate assistants do that in the weeks leading up to this um, fall semester and I think we had um, you know, at least a few students who were um, kind of prompted by that phone call to make the decision to enroll. So we're going to be doing different, uh, more, of, more of that ongoing call campaign. And then another thing that I'm working on, and it's still in the planning processes, but I wanted to let you know about is to host, I'm working with the other graduate programs here at Villanova, the other colleges rather, so business, nursing, engineering, and law, to put on a mini grad fair, because um, while some of your graduate programs, you can only accept students who were, for example, chemistry majors, would of course go into a chemistry master's program, but some of our graduate programs can accept students from business or engineering. Um, so we're trying to reach more of our Villanova undergraduate students to let them know about the graduate programs we have to offer here in the College of Arts and Sciences. So also we want to get the word out about how all Villanova undergraduate students can take um, three graduate courses and have them double count for both their bachelor's and master's degree programs. So that's really a nice thing that we offer that a lot of our undergrads, we don't think even know about that. So we're really working to get the word out. Um, of course, any undergraduate students that you come into contact with, tell them about that. We're also gonna be talking more about the combined bachelor master programs. So that's pretty much it. Any questions? Mm -hmm. How that new? No. no. I think we've yeah. had students go right through and never know they could have done that. Yeah, so we're really, we even um, created a program sheet or an information sheet that lists that information, lists all the programs. We got a nice testimonial on it, and we're going to be putting it on the student mailboxes. So we really are trying to get the word out on that, and we think it would be a great way to get um, more Villanova undergrads continue on for their graduate degree. And just a word about that. They're kind of subject to the same rules that a student in a bachelor master program is, so they have to be a senior while they're taking these graduate courses. They have to get a B or better in that in order for them to double count. And then they have to let us know what they're planning to do, otherwise we can't assist them with the, the double count process. So it's different than the BAMA. Yeah, this is really cool. <laughs> Just to clarify, I mean, at least in our department, 
uh, undergraduate students, if they were not accepted in the five-year program, mm -hmm. they kind of think that graduate education is not for them or some such thing. And then I had to make it clear that they can apply to our program outside of five-year program mm -hmm. and still the same. And still have three courses yeah. already yeah, under their belt. That right. Says, you know, mm -hmm. to clarify to them. So hopefully what they're doing. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Because there is a limit on the number, for those of you who do have bachelor master programs, there's a limit to the number of students who can be enrolled in that program. But I don't want to say there's no limit. Is there no limit to how many students? They have to qualify. They have to have a good GPA and be qualified to take the courses and have your approval to take the courses. But do it. And GPA Yeah. 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 Yeah.
<laughs> if that's going to be the situation, then we, we have to uh, operationalize it. Right. The, the point of it is that it, it, in, in theory, it works like the bachelor master program. So they're approved to take the graduate level classes. And then there's that mechanism where we have to transfer those classes to their graduate record. Right. Well, the, but the case so. that was brought up is that if that's an undergrad student in in a in a hybrid course, a course where already undergrads and grads are, I'd have to check with Pam. But I don't believe there's a mechanism. There would have to, we have to know, you know, the grad students. We know by virtue of the fact that they're a, grad, a coded grad student. We know there's they have that expectation, but the undergrad does not in that course. And there's no way of accounting that. Most of the information you'd know about them is once they become a grad student, which is way after the fact. So, so it needs to be operationalized. So, but generally, yes, undergrads may, with approval, be in graduate courses. Um, I just don't know about the, the courses that, I just have to look at how those courses like, are handed. If the grad course, is, if the course in question is designated a grad course, but also undergrad, then we're fine. But if it's a course that's not designated graduate, because undergrads may take it, that's the only thing we'd have to look at. I don't know if it's if it's um, subject level, like 700 or anything like that. 7,000, And I don't think this is something that's going to explode, but you know, if, if there are really great students, this is a great benefit and right. a great opportunity for them at a time when, you know, um, right. they're very interested in these sorts of things. Especially if you have one of the bachelor master programs and you're getting more applicants than you can admit. Oh, God. the color, but is it, can you put that all on? database works and things like that. So we, again, we probably have to operationalize that yeah. around the goal cards with approvals and things like that. It could probably be done, especially how we've done it with grad studies, but um, that's not something that's just um, delivered in the system. So that's why a card has always been the way that we signify the approval. Yeah, and the approval is important because we don't want more undergrads in our grad. Let's move on. All right. Thanks, everybody. And then we have Katie, who's going to wrap it up with our discussion of radius. Hey, I'm going to change the subject now. Um, so I have just a very few things for everybody. Um, I wanted to mention 
um, communication plans. So one thing that Radius does that um, all of you would not be in charge of, but that I would be in charge of, is um, communication plans. So what that is is basically like an automated response to someone from your specific department. For example, a student goes on our website or your website and fills out a request for information form, and they indicate communication as their um, primary interest then a communication plan would like automatically generate an email to that student. Thank you for your interest in communication. Here are some things about our program. Um, so they get a very immediate response. And then you as the program director can follow up with an individualized response. But the nice thing about the communication plan is that it's quick and automatic. So some departments have them and some don't. Um, if you're not sure if you have one, um, email me and I can tell you what your department has. Or if you know that you don't have one but you're interested in having one set up, I would be happy to work with you. Um, one of the departments emailed me last week um, to inquire about it and I was able to share some information and some ideas on what that could potentially look like. It doesn't have to be one email, it could be a series of emails. If you want to keep in touch with them over a longer time, um, that's really up to you. But there's a lot of things that you can do with it that's, you know, Set it and forget it maybe isn't the right way to put it, but it's more just a very consistent and automated response process that could be really helpful to you to know that your potential students are kind of being reached out to on a regular basis. Okay? So email me if you want more information about that or if you want to make adjustments or if you have any questions whatsoever. I would really be happy to work with you on that. Um, oh, okay, inquiries. So I think I've said this before, but just as a general reminder, as you're going into RADIUS and responding to inquiries, that you close them as soon as you've responded to them. Um, for some of you that have communication plans and you know it and you know that it's firing off an initial response to your students, that's great. And if you're relying on that, that's fine. But it's important that you as the program director or admin assistant or whoever is responsible for it goes into RADIUS and closes the inquiry. That's a good way for you all to very seamlessly keep track of who you have responded to. Um, and also, you know, periodically um, in our office, we will go through to look at how many inquiries came in for a given program in a year for something Christine needs to turn in for tracking purposes and maybe we'll see like a ton of inquiries that aren't closed and that's confusing for us to know what really happened. So just everybody, as a rule of thumb, should be going in and closing your inquiries once you know that they've been responded to. And if you're not sure how to do that, um, good news. I, <laughs> um, I, and this is something I'll pass out, and this is really my last thing, unless anybody has any questions. Um, this one's applications, and this one's inquiries. I don't think I have quite enough for everyone, but we'll email it out afterwards. I'm sorry, what's that? Start from the back. Oh, yeah, you want to start from the back? Yeah. Um, so what's coming out to you are two one-sheeters. One is Radius Best Practices for Inquiries, and the second one is Radius Best Practices for Applications. I know that some folks in this room, you know, may not go in there as regularly as you want to or should, and as we sort of roll into this new application cycle, you may be going in there for the first time in a little while. And you can kind of use this as a guide if you're a little rusty or tuck it away for a time when you might have some questions. Or if you have a new staff member starting, I know there's some new admins that are being hired or getting started, or even graduate assistants that, um, depending on 
what you need them to do. There's some cases where it's appropriate for them to be in radius. Um, this should be hopefully a little just handy guide for you. And we'll email it out after the meeting and I can make it available for anyone. And this is really just to supplement those one-on-one -on -one meetings I have with a lot of you to go over items in radius. Yes, Marcus? Is there a way of closing that multiple open uh, inquiries at the same time? Yes, there is a way to close multiple inquiries at the same time. And that's by doing a mass update. And I would be happy to send a screenshot of how to do that. It's You know the little check boxes that you see? Yeah. You check the check boxes and then click the mass update button. You select inquiry and then I think you put in status and then close. But I, I can share the um, steps on how to do that. I'm, I think we'll, we'll do a follow-up email afterwards and I'll make a note to share those steps. It's very easy to do. Oh, and then um, to, one last thing I do want to mention because, oh, was there another question? Um, Heather's question about the website, I, I am happy to help troubleshoot if you get into a situation where you're trying to do something and can't figure it out. There, there's a lot of things on the website that kind of seem more difficult to do than they really are. And it's not, it, it's because the system is not intuitive, um, right? So like when you're in there and offer like, uh, where's the button for this? Like particularly the button widget, like that really throws people. And if you're not doing it regularly, it's not something that may be easy to figure out. I'm always happy to help troubleshoot in those situations. It's always best to email me. I always find it's difficult to sort of talk through those things on the phone. But if you want to talk on the phone, we can do that too. What's ever best for you? Um, and I'll definitely help out in any way that I can. Any questions about radius or anything like that? So, yes. So whoever's going to come in Yes. How are they training? Yeah, I mean, usually our office has a sense of when somebody new is starting, um, and we either reach out if we, you know, usually they'll reach out to us to say, hey, I just started, I'm ready, can you get me set up? Um, and as much as I can be proactive in terms of getting somebody an account, I'll do that. But if something happens, we're not necessarily aware of it. Um, you know, just to let us know. Um, and then usually if we know somebody new has started and we haven't heard anything for a while, we'll, we'll reach out. But yeah, I'll, I'll get a Radius account set up for them. It doesn't take very long. I do have to work with UNIT to do that, but it's a quick process. And then I usually set up like a half hour or a one hour meeting, depending on what that person's role is, to go over what they need to know in Radius. So yeah, happy to set those up. I do them all the time. Uh, anything else? Okay, great. Well, thanks everybody. I know we threw a lot of information at you, um, but we do have a little bit of time. If anyone has any new business or issues they wanted to raise, questions they had, um, any anything that's bubbling up? Yeah, Sally. Um, so this is all terrific. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if, uh, one, one curiosity that yeah. I have is um, about diversity, and, and I think this speaks to almost every level, uh, uh, and perhaps with recruitment, for instance, we should, um, be working on uh, targeting historically black colleges and, and uh, maybe head down to Texas and Florida and things like that. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was wondering what efforts were being made and also um, maybe what numbers, how we're doing, or, or maybe that could be something for the future that we can talk about. Um, uh, and then also just, I, I think it's part and parcel of the whole university commitment to increasing diversity. And so I'd like to see our, our graduate programs. That's a great point. Um, we have gone to a number of historically black uh, colleges and universities in the past. I forget if there's any on the list now. There's probably a few, I'm we sure. We've been Oregon State the last two years, and we've gone to Lincoln mm -hmm. um, the last several years. Um, we 
we've done the McNair Scholars Fair also. Every year. Mm -hmm. yeah. Every year we do that. Um, and then also some programs have specific diversity plans. I know MPA has a very detailed one and I'd be happy to share it with all of you um, about kind of recruitment as well as student programming at the graduate level. Um, so I think it's definitely something that we should think about as programs and then also as a larger college for sure. And I can definitely share with you application data. I'll, be, I'll put that on the agenda for the spring meeting. That's a great point. Yeah, and student data and all that kind of stuff. Great, thank you. Yes? I'm just curious about how the um, new U.S. News and World Report number, famous new number, um, does that, do you feel like that has any relationship to the graduate programs in recruiting? I mean, for example, in terms of the kinds of schools you might visit, I mean, I don't know if you go to Swarthmore, I don't know if you go to um, Bryn Mawr or Haverford. This, this year we are going to Haverford and Bryn Mawr and personalized visits because we actually got a good number of students from Bryn Mawr. Not as many I know from Haverford, but um, we have quite a few from Swarthmore. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. I guess it's just a question of aspirational recruiting, yeah. which maybe the time is great. Yeah, and we've had conversations with university communications too about how as graduate programs we can use that ranking maybe in a slightly different way or and so those are in very initial stages, but I think it will become a part and we certainly use number one a lot. But this is for graduate <laughs> programs, I think it has a unique a unique and important message. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, John. I think that targeting to these specific universities is a terrific idea. I'm curious, though, how specific are you when you go there? I mean, are you talking about specific programs, uh, or is it more generic? Well, what kinds of? So what I've done is I just typically I'll like set up a table in the reunion, so it really is general, and I only know you know surface level about all of your programs. So if it's something that your program would be interested, if you have um, in biology, you get a lot of students from a certain school it would be more powerful for a visit from a faculty member or someone who can really talk to the students about the research they'd be doing and opportunities. But I'm there to tell them about the assistantships that we have to offer, you know, all the graduate programs we have to offer, you know, the application process. So I can get the conversation started. So that's really the level that I do do, um, just general, and I try and put myself in a place where I'll be able to see a lot of students. Um, in the past, I've also emailed in advance for to the department chairs. For example, I went to Muhlenberg last year, and they don't have any graduate programs. So their their chairs are happy to um, encourage their students to look elsewhere, obviously, for graduate school. Um, and I just, and they send them my way. But so I can really only get the, the conversation started, but any programs that have specific schools they would like to visit, I'd be happy to assist with that or facilitate it in any way that I can. That's Emily, would you go to these if you get a specific lead for a specific um, program? Do you put those in radius and then do you indicate which program they in, were interested yes. in so that we see them? So we put them in radius. I send them an email and I copy the program director and the administrative assistant to that email as a heads up. I just met this person and you should follow up. So. And at the fairs, you meet all folks, folks who are looking next year, but folks who are looking in two or yeah, three years. So it is kind of a mix. So. <laughs> 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 their friends are going to change. Right. But you also, you know, it could be juniors. So they're, 
they're more serious, but they're still two years out. So. Great. Well, thank you again for all of your hard work. I really appreciate it. Great.